Hello everyone and welcome to the Truthfully Human podcast. I'm Courtney and today I'm here with my co-host Victor. At Truthfully Human podcast, our aim is to provide a platform for real people to share their unique and inspiring stories, giving us all a lesson at the end of it. Today's guest is Sarah Walker, a familiar face who you might remember from episode one of the Truthfully Human podcast, and we'll be touching on her experience traveling and moving overseas. Sarah is our friend from the States. She grew up in Indiana, but wasn't destined to stay there. Her work has meant that she's had the opportunity to live in three continents, and today we're going to pick her brain on the highs and lows of living abroad and what you should know before making a major move. Now, we're all really good friends and we had so much fun recording this episode, so be prepared for bag loads of anecdotes. Right, Sarah, you're, this is the second time you're uh, in our show. Uh, for yeah. those who's probably listening for the first time or, you know, probably just randomly clicked on this episode, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Sarah, mid-20s. I'm an English teacher. I've been teaching abroad since I graduated from college. I taught briefly in Germany for a while, and now I am living in South Korea teaching English. Very exciting. <laughs> and um, as Vic mentioned, Sarah was our first ever guest on the show. And that was so much fun. I think it's actually still our most listened to episode ever. So uh, maybe this will be our second most popular episode. Who knows? Um, so Sarah, you have had the opportunity to live and work in different countries. You mentioned now you are in Korea. Very exciting. But also you've uh, worked in Germany and you're from the States. So what would you say? Quite a broad question. But what's your, your, well, your favourite and the best thing about working uh, in different countries? Honestly, it's kind of something that I think people wouldn't be surprised or would be surprised about. And that's that the things that aren't different, the things that surprise you that are actually like feel very normal to you. Um, like, I like that everywhere I go, I, I realize very quickly that people are just people no matter where you go. Um, which I really I just think that it's it's something that's very comforting to understand that like the human experience is very universal mm-hmm. um, oh I love that yeah so that's probably my favorite thing that I've noticed and like not even just like because you know I not only have I like worked in different countries I've traveled a fair bit not as much as I'd like but a fair bit and I found the same thing as well like in other places that like again people are people we all go through the same shit like and um honestly like you'll find that there are people have more in common even in different countries and different cultures and everything than they have in um like just different in my opinion in my experience and a huge issue that travelers have faced is loneliness how do you get over loneliness in foreign countries and what advice would you give to others um so that's a really both difficult and easy question to answer. Easy answer, make friends. <laughs> um, yeah, because I have experienced that. Like, um, so the second time, so, so I've lived in Germany twice. I went, I was there for my, like, what do I call it? Like my practicum, like student teaching. And then I lived there again for another year um, actually teaching. And so the first time I had friends there, like people from my university who came along in the same program. The second time I was alone. I went by myself. Nobody was there with me um, in the same program. I didn't know anybody really except for like 
my old professor who's like, like he's a, a legend man Absolutely. yeah he's great i he's, love him yeah i was lucky yeah. enough to get to Courtney's meet him, met him. Mm-hmm. yeah um he, he's amazing and i did like i would kind of consider him a friend because i had like i had um coffee with him every week and but those were technically like i was supposed to be learning german from him which i totally didn't but <laughs> um yeah no i was super lonely for like honestly like three or four months I had like no friends I was doing very desperate things to have human experiences um and there isn't a good way to deal with it until you find people like you need to find your people and I ended up making like a few really good friends um luckily who I was introduced to actually through my professor yeah dealing with loneliness I haven't found a good way other than find people yeah actually um i think a good point to bring up is that we became friends during that time in your life um and i was spending all of my time talking to people online yeah so we found each other when talking online um i was kind of going through a bit of a desperate time as well in my own way and i just needed like an escape in a community and yeah we we met each other there sarah and we actually met victor through the same place so Mm-hmm. Look at us all. <laughs> Here <laughs> we are. A few years later. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that was that was obviously really great as well. And uh, I got the chance to go out and see you. And we went to a few places. And we also met up with um a few of our friends in other like European cities. Um. We had some good times for sure. Another issue that travelers face is navigation. Um, and I hear that that's actually probably the biggest one that people get really, really stuck on. So have you ever been lost and you have a story about being lost and how you got out of it? Mm, Yeah. But the thing is being lost is kind of a hobby of mine. (laughs) Explain, Um, explain. Like when I go to a place, especially if I'm by myself or, um, I have another friend who I travel quite a lot with. And one of our favorite things to do is to intentionally get lost. Like, we, we'll just, like, start walking. Just pick a direction, start walking, go into places we think look interesting, like, just do whatever we think looks interesting, and then we'll try to find our way back. And, like, we've never we've never been permanently lost anywhere. And I think it's a good way <laughs> to find things that you know, you, like, you'll find things that, if you're in a foreign city, you'll find things that are, like, off the beaten track and aren't necessarily, like, the tourist destinations. Um, you'll find really interesting things going on. And so, yeah, like navigation's hard, but also navigation is how you get yourself just like locked into boring things. Like, <laughs> let yourself get lost. You'll find something interesting. You'll find something cool. Like there was one time my friends and I, um, we ended up in like the basement of a wine store, <laughs> taste testing cheese and wine with like other Japanese tourists, and it was like. A that really sounds amazing. weird but really cool experience yeah and like also the the person giving out the samples and stuff was speaking japanese and he just like wasn't even like he was still giving us samples but not really speaking to us and like still just speaking to the japanese tourists and like it was just a strange but really cool experience like this is the kind of weird stuff i think is way more interesting than like i don't know going to see like sagrada de familia in barcelona which i think is like the ugliest thing ever <laughs> Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I love how you kind of, I don't know if you if you realise, but you turn an, uh, uh, an experience where you were lost into just pure exploration. 
And it's that kind yeah. of flip of mindset of like, it's not a bad thing. It gives me an opportunity to to wander around and to find new and, and exciting things. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think that, well, that's something that I think um, a lot of people who tell me like, oh, I could never do what you do. I could never travel by myself. I could never do this. It's like, why? Why do you think you couldn't do it? I'm not better than anybody. I'm not more intelligent. I'm not more, I'm just, Honestly, I think maybe it's because I'm kind of stupid and I'm just like, I assume that things will work out. No, I don't think that's, I don't <laughs> think that's being stupid. You're a very worldly person. You trust, you trust yourself. So yeah, that's, just, that's not I, stupidity in my eyes, <laughs> but I do the same shit. Yeah. So maybe it is. On the, topic, <laughs> <laughs> on the topic though of navigation, I will say Korea has been so kind of difficult for like when i actually need to get places because google maps doesn't work here really it doesn't work here you can use it for like looking at things but you cannot use it for navigation it will not give you directions do they have their own app for navigation they have their own but the problem is it's kind of difficult to use unless you can read korean which i can i can read it but i don't understand anything So... That's kind of funny because when you look at South Korea on Google Maps, um, even from here, you know, anywhere else, the map all of a sudden looks very printed and not like what Google Maps would typically look like as well. So you can't navigate mm-hmm. at all, even though you cannot. You know, you're just trying yeah. to go through the website. Yeah, it's like I totally see what you meant. Yeah, if you like it, the way you normally like, if you go through Google Maps and you're like get me from this place to this place and use it in Korea, it straight up will be like, we cannot find the route. I'm like, great. So that actually, that's something that's frustrating just for when I don't want to be lost. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I never knew that though. Is it the same in a few Asian countries? I'm not sure. Probably, right? Um, I don't know, but I think it might be more common here. Um, I know also just because like, Google and Apple don't have the stranglehold on this part of the world that they yeah, do. Yeah, that's the world. what I was thinking. Like Apple kind of is just like obviously a lot of people still have iPhones here and stuff, but like Apple Pay doesn't work here. Oh. I can't like I can't use my Tap Pay here at all. So like the things that are supported like Tap Pay here is still supported in most places, but you have to have either a Samsung phone or there's like this thing called like Kakao Pay. Kakao is like the whatsapp of korea like everybody here uses it all like all of my faculty messages are on it but um yeah and i order taxis on cacao yeah yeah because i think (laughs) honestly i take taxis a lot of places because like i again with the navigation thing if i need to be somewhere i'd rather a taxi deal with navigation than me try to figure out a bus yeah no that's fair do they have like are like lime scooters or anything popular in korea yeah no they're everywhere there's lime there's like a couple of different brands of them um i haven't used any yet mostly because like i literally just got my bank account set up um and again like i can't use apple pay which you need some kind of like online like phone banking to use like a lime scooter yeah so we um, um in bristol we in the uk where i live we just got like um a different brand it's not lime it's like these red sort of same scooter things that everyone's using now and they are the worst like obviously we're a pretty old city and our roads are really small and narrow and the pavements are small as well and then like a few years ago our old mayor put a load of cycle lanes in which made the roads even more congested 
Um, and now you've got these cycle lanes, these tiny roads, these tiny paths, and these scooters like rocking around everywhere. <laughs> it's just so fucking annoying. Like it just doesn't work here. Uh, like nothing, but like a metro wouldn't even work here. I don't think because we're so hilly. Like it's weird, weird city to be in. Perhaps yeah, I mean, I think we did have a trans system at one point. Um, but we've got loads of buses and the city's quite big so the tram system would have to be quite a lot like <laughs> this is a bit of a weird thing to be talking about on a podcast about other people traveling around the bristol tram system <laughs> it would be a really big operation because we're a huge we're a huge city we're like um over five well, hundred thousand. tram systems like in my experience so like where i used to live in germany um dresden doesn't have a metro they've got a or they don't have a an underground metro, but they've got a tram system, and it, the trams don't run everywhere. They run in central lines to like, like direct into neighborhoods, and then there are buses that branch off. Yeah, so we we still have a lot of train lines. Video. Yeah, yeah. We well, oh, just re- real quick, I was gonna say about like the lime scooters because I actually love them. I think they're so fun. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in Poland, and I think I've told you about this before. It was like a trip I took with some of my friends in Germany to Poland for the weekend, and like. I had already been to this, like, this city in Poland, uh, Rockla, and, like, so I was, like, I didn't really want to see, like, the touristy stuff, I didn't want to go to the churches and stuff again, because I'd already been in them, um, so me and the other guy, we just kind of got, like, on these lime scooters and just, like, got lost all over the city, <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a fun day. That sounds great, I remember the pictures that you yeah. sent were really cute as well. In regards to your travels... So, obviously, you're from the USA, but you've lived in Germany and South Korea. Mm-hmm. In your experience, has the language barrier ever been an issue to you? It has been at times, but more... Honestly, I found it was more of a barrier in Germany than I found in South Korea. Um, but probably also, I lived in a part of Germany where not as many people speak English and um especially like older people would get like really like exasperated with me when i didn't understand what they were saying (laughs) but in my defense also the part of germany i live in doesn't speak like standard german so yeah Yeah, Um, so they've got a weird dialect as well yeah like um it's sexish so it's not it's not like hugely different it's not like bavarian different Mm -hmm. but it's still like enough that i was like what? <laughs> so yeah germany i had more of an issue i think sometimes more like with people just being like oh, you're in my country it's that it's that thing that you get with like people anywhere the the ignorance of like you're here you should learn but like yeah. americans here you should speak english in america it's like america doesn't have an official language what do you mean yeah particularly amongst older people i imagine as well it just reminded me of something actually um i was in this one time i was in amsterdam in in um a bar on dam square and um what was it called i can't remember now anyway i was in this bar in amsterdam <laughs> and there was a young girl working you get a lot of like students and you know people who come over to work in the bars there to get like a, a life of a different city you know um and she was a really really lovely girl um her name's megan and she was working in the bar. She'd lived there for a couple of years. And this old Dutch guy comes in, like real old school Dutch guy. <laughs> I'm talking to her at the bar and he's like, oh, yes, I remember this bar back when it was called this. It was this, this and this and this. Do you know about the history of this bar? And he, she was like, no, I, I don't know about the history of this bar. 
And then he was like, you live in the Netherlands. You work in this bar. Why do you not know the history of this one specific bar? And he went on at her for like five minutes. And I was there sipping my gin and tonic like, oh my goodness, poor girl. It was crazy. <laughs> Honestly, the audacity of old people. Well, in Germany, it's less of a, like an actual social custom and more of just like a what I felt to be a lack of manners. <laughs> Which they probably felt the same way about me on certain things. They honestly probably felt the same way about me. But my big thing was like, if you bump into somebody, you say, excuse me. Yeah. Like personal space is like a huge thing. Probably, I mean, in the US we have more space, like people are spread out. But if you bump into somebody, well, I'm from the Midwest, so we don't say excuse me. You say, oh, oh. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you you say something you say like you make like an indication yeah. that like oh i'm sorry i bumped into you yeah for me i'd just be so sorry sorry and like <laughs> i know what excuse me i know the word so excuse me in german is Entschuldigung. i swear to you i heard that word once from a german in the entire time i lived there for like the whole two years or something <laughs> one time i heard the word Entschuldigung, and like never again and i was so surprised by it when i did hear i was like oh, i never heard it in the wild i never heard it in the wild well it was like one of the first words i learned mm. because like i want to be polite, polite and i want to yeah yeah and i feel like like that's like one of the first things you i feel like you should learn is like how to say like oh i'm sorry excuse me yeah because especially like if you're not that good at the language you want to make it clear to people like oh like I know how to say I know how to say in Korean like I'm sorry, mm -hmm. you know. Teach us. Uh, in so there's two ways. So like Korean has formal and informal language. Mm -hmm. So formal like the best the safest is always go formal right because mm -hmm. that's like strangers people older than you stuff like that is just You're gonna have to slow that down for me. Yes please. Just just soyemnida. Just soyemnida. And then, like, informal would be, like, uh, to Sunyo. To Sunyo. I think. I think. That one seems yeah, a bit easier. I, I'm going to go for that one. <laughs> yeah, it's safer, usually, I feel like, to go with the formal, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's, definitely. Like, it's, I'm sorry, and thank you, and hello are, like, the most important. So, like, That's That's the three things you need to know. <laughs> yeah. No, I get you. And it's nice as well that... Yeah, it's an etiquette thing, isn't it? definitely yeah definitely. you should just like know the basics and i mean like i always I, I always say like oh i don't speak german i think i speak a lot more german than i think i do and i also like definitely know the basics to get by because yeah like, in germany it was a much bigger deal um yeah sometimes people like when i didn't know they were like what are you doing here do you, <laughs> do you, you find here? that when you get drunk and speak german you speak it better oh every language i speak better when i'm drunk yeah Dude, i was i was out last weekend and this is so messed up because like i don't really speak korean so i was like i'm just gonna speak chinese to these people and hope it works chinese. oh what <laughs> ah, it was so bad oh uh, obviously no, you're you're is... fluent in chinese aren't you in um, um in uh, i don't know about Mandarin. fluent i'm conversational got you wow. i as you, could like, you so would like, you would you consider it like a working proficiency i think i could get by yeah 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 especially really cool. if i had like if i got back into it because like obviously like i haven't spoken in a long time in any mm. capacity so like i would need 
to warm myself back up into it but i think i could pick it back up yeah that's how i feel about french as well um yeah i was gonna say something but it's totally lost me oh i was gonna tell the story so this one time i was like in nowhere in the netherlands at this like weird festival thing and i was on my own and i met this one dude and sarah i've probably told you about him a bunch of times but anyway so um he introduced me to like all of his family on the day i met him and everyone was getting drunk and they're all from like like the farmlands in the netherlands and um they didn't really speak too much english but this one guy was like wow i'm speaking to you in english i can do it i can speak english when i'm drunk and he just fell on top of the world because he could speak so much english when he was drunk it was fantastic you know i i it's weird the things that come to the surface when you're drunk that you think they're like, oh, I can't do it. And then, yeah. And then you can. Yeah, I feel like so, when I'm dancing yeah. as well. Can't dance for shit oh when I'm God. sober, but on a dance floor would have had a few. <laughs> oh, watch out. Watch out for Courtney. It becomes so much better. Well. Like, <laughs> I believe my German becomes better when I'm drunk as well. And, uh, <laughs> I, was this, I was at this bar in Wien. This, uh, this chick sat next to me and I started like talking about my beer in German tour. And then she was like, oh no, I don't speak German. I'm from Georgia. And then I'm like, the country Georgia. And then no, I'm American. And I just realized I spent like the past five minutes ranting to her about this beer in German. And then <laughs> trying to say some sort of, and trying to talk in broken English. Because I know you're from Georgia. <laughs> she's from the state that reminds me Not of something me. that happened to me also in germany this was like i think the first time i lived there um yeah. i was in this club and i met this guy who was i think he was polish and i was right. speaking to him in english and then he goes do you speak german and i said no he says do you speak polish i said no and he goes you live in germany and you can't speak another language and i said i didn't say i can't speak another language i said i don't speak german and polish and he goes it's okay five more minutes we speak english and then we are switching to german and i was like no we're not <laughs> so <laughs> you might switch to german but i'm not he was just like no we are switching language i was like <laughs> so uh sarah and we just uh, finished talking about your social custom experiences in Germany and Korea. Now, my next question to you is, were there any other unexpected challenges you faced along the way? Mm, I mean, definitely. You always, you can never fully prepare for everything. Um, I definitely had some issues uh, bureaucracy-wise in Germany with like getting my paperwork filed. I actually was living and working there for about three months without a visa. Naughty, naughty. Uh, I wasn't illegal. I wasn't illegal technically. Like I had like a temporary thing, but I didn't have like an official visa yet. And then um, like getting over here was another whole bucket of worms because I was applying for a visa in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a very tumultuous election. Um, oh the drama of that yeah i remember now the drama mm -hmm. oh my god a process that normally takes like a month took me three months mm -hmm. just getting paperwork organized um and then not only that but once i got here so like right now coming into korea you have to do a two-week quarantine upon arrival you know this and um i actually got pulled out at the airport so normally you get to like go to either you either go to a hotel if you don't have an apartment or you go straight to your apartment. I have an apartment um, provided through my uh, place of employment, but I got pulled out of line in the airport 
because I had a fever upon arrival and <laughs> um, was put into a co- uh, temporary quarantine holding cell. <laughs> it was literally a cell as well. I remember you showing me the it picture. It was <laughs> a cubicle with a desk and a chair and I was in there for like eight hours. Mm-hmm. Don't envy you one bit. It was horrible. It was... And like, like nobody was really giving us information. They... Like the only time I could get up was either to go get water or go to the bathroom. Um, they even told us like not to sit on the floor, and I was like, I don't want to sit in this uncomfortable chair for seven hours. Yeah, I imagine but the floor would even be better. They did give us food. That's something. Yeah, like I was like, I could have because I had like a winter coat with me, and I was like, I could literally like it's a big puffy coat. I could lay it down and like lay. <laughs> I on could it. take a rest. I could. I have a nap I had- right now. <laughs> I literally had three bags worth of like clothing with me. I could have made a situation. I would have made a nest. I swear. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, no, that was an experience in and of itself. Yeah, um, I did eventually get out, but <laughs> no, she's still in there. She's still, <laughs> <laughs> still in the cubicle. <laughs> day forty, day forty-two in the cubicle. <laughs> I've lost track of. <laughs> lost track of time. Elisa's still, still giving me food and letting me get up for water. I haven't I haven't lied down for, for two months. <laughs> I've um, been sitting in this swivel chair for two months. <laughs> um so that kind of brings up something interesting because Victor, you've had your own quarantine experience recently. Yeah, tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the quarantine experience for me uh, actually really got me by surprise. And uh, one was coming back from the Philippines to Norway, which wasn't too bad because all I had to do was go back home. And they said, "Yeah, lock yourself up for like fourteen days." And then that sort of was alright, you know. I I still got access to all my amenities, um, and I could even go out and do my groceries, my own groceries. And, um, you know, I could go outdoors and do my all my outdoor activities, no problem. But the rule was don't go to work, don't go to restaurants, don't go to any public places. That was the only rules. I could use public transport, but I couldn't do any of those. And when I got to the UK from Norway, I had to go into quarantine again. And I, on my, so basically on, on arrival to the UK, I was uh, asked to self-quarantine and I could get out of this 10-day quarantine if I did a self-test and submitted that. That was like 150 pounds or something. And I got, I literally got the COVID-19 test delivered to me on the eighth day uh, of my quarantine. So I couldn't even do the test to release thing because I got my results in the 11th day of quarantine. And like on my third day of supposed quarantine, I went to Brighton. Um, <laughs> was that with me? Hung out with Courtney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so nervous as well because Vic was like, I, I mean, I live with my grandparents, right? And Vic was like, yeah, so I just got off a flight a couple of days ago and, you know, I'm getting this test, but whatever. And I was like, Vic, I live with old people, man. And he was like, oh, yeah, you do, don't you? And I was like, fuck! It was all fine in the end. Like, he was all good. Everything was fine. I stayed, at, I stayed like, on my own in my house, but I was, like, shitting bricks. <laughs> yeah, we've only come to that realisation as well, like, afterwards as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And yeah. Now, my other quarantine experience, I would say my most latest one, which I just got out of a week ago, was uh, traveling from the UK to Norway, my home country again. And this one was a bit different from my first experience. So in this experience, I was, I couldn't continue my itinerary, my flight. That's what I meant. And uh, I booked a flight from London Heathrow to Bergen, which is my home city, and with a stopover at Oslo, which is the capital. And uh, I thought, yeah, I would be able to continue my journey just fine, go right to the apartment. But it was really none of that. And there was really no clear information as well. So um, as soon as I, as soon as the plane was about to land on my layover, uh, the they announced that they will be taking our bags off the plane and we'll have to collect it at the airport and we'll probably be quarantined in the hotel. And that's like the first time like everyone's everyone in the plane is hearing that, and everyone's like, "Hang on a second, what the fuck is going on?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got off. We picked up our bags. As soon as we got off the plane, we were literally escorted from the plane to the baggage reclaim, then escorted again to like a holding center where everyone had to be tested. And, you know, we all got the results in like 20 minutes. And then we were taken to immigration. And immigration lady tells me, what were you doing out of the country? I was saying that, oh, you know, for work and stuff, no worries. And I'm like, okay. Don't go out for too long again. And, uh, and then she said, you can't go straight home. You have to be quarantined at your port of arrival. I was like, that's a bit bullshit. And she said, nope, that's what you got to do. So I really couldn't go anywhere because everywhere I tried to go, you'd be stopped by security. Uh, you, I couldn't connect. I couldn't catch my connection. I couldn't go to the bathroom couldn't do any of that it was literally from as soon as we finished the immigration and the test it was straight to the airport bus and from the bus straight to the hotel go to the hotel they're like oh yeah you got to pay this up front fee of a couple of thousand i'm like what the goddamn hell because everyone's like you know everyone was like under the impression as well that you know we'll just be able to quarantine at home our apartments or houses in our huts in the mountains or whatever but that wasn't the case at all um and we were literally like thrown straight from our port of entry to a hotel not even in the middle of the city and it was it was awful to be there i mean you were given a bed a room that had a, its own ensuite bathroom and everything but I would say really the worst experience was probably the food, to be fair. I sent oh. a couple of my friends like Snapchats of my daily meals. And to be fair, like with the taste of the food, you'd think you'd had you'd have COVID already. Because all of a sudden <laughs> all your all your senses of taste and smell is gone as well. And you're like, fuck, you know, I think I might have it. And uh, and literally, I think, yeah, you were given two hours of outdoors time every day. And I was describing my experience to a friend, and he literally called it almost like a prison-like experience. 
you're getting your food oh, delivered, you're locked in a room, and you're only given two hours of recreational time per day. I was like, um, oh, yeah. I don't want to demean your experience at all, because I'm sure it was terrible for you, but, like, two hours of outdoor time a day? <laughs> what kind of... I mean, of this is Norway. This is Norway, after all. Oh, uh, yeah, to be fair, I didn't know that you got to go outside for two hours. Now I think you're a drama no, queen. <laughs> that's, that's more than I go out time. anyway. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I don't even get... <laughs> yeah. I was literally... Please. I was... Uh, so, my quarantine experience, I was literally mm -hmm. tracked on my phone the entire, like, 14 days. 14 yeah. days, two weeks, tracked the entire time. On a, by an app on my phone. If I left, I had to check in twice a day, making sure that I was where I was supposed to be. I had to input my temperature and check off that I didn't have any um, like symptoms of COVID. Uh, was not allowed to go outside. The only time I went outside in the entire time was on the 13th day when I had to go get my third COVID test. And and also, Sarah, with all due respect, but your apartment was a, is a lot smaller than Victor's quarantine hotel room so like I, yeah i live in a, like a little like <laughs> look at his face like, like you can't see victor's face now but he looks so awkward he's been moaning about it <laughs> he's like this has been the worst experience of my life i would say the only good part compared to yours is that i could order food like i could Sure, I think I could have ordered food as well, but then like <laughs> because the hotel was literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, yeah, and and the money that Vic paid that that wouldn't have sat very well with me. Well, the thing is, though, I would have. Yeah, I would have had me. the exact same thing happen if I had tested positive at the uh, airport. Yeah, except that instead of being put into uh, a quarantine hotel, they would have put me into a hospital. Oh shit! That's much worse. Even if yeah, I was asymptomatic, way worse. even if I was just carrying and I was asymptomatic, I would have gone into a hospital for two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got another question for you, Sarah. This one is on a much different, much lighter note. Now, I know that as a single person, whenever I'm abroad, the first thing I do is look at Tinder, check out the locals, <laughs> see what's going on. Do you have any funny foreign Tinder stories to share with us? I haven't really had very many here yet, except um, just the amount of people who, like, try to call me all the time. They're like, can I call you? Like, no. <laughs> I've spoken two words to you. You're not calling. They're like, try to, like, video call me. And I'm like, I don't know. Do you think there are a lot of catfish? Do you think that's why? I think that might be it. Because, like, I know that, like, like photo editing and stuff is really big here. Hmm. so maybe like they think i'm like not what i say i am yeah and in in the western world being like your authentic self whether that means like having like te texture skin or cellulite or whatever like it's really celebrated yeah. so um Whereas or we're getting like, there anyway yeah compared yeah compared to like the west like the east is still quite like um focused on being perfect and being I guess fitting a certain image I guess Kendrick so. Lamar being tired of the photoshop hasn't had his influence over there yet <laughs> yeah I think like I mean there was the whole situation with you know the Russian guy um oh oh yeah in Germany yeah uh, I, did I would I call that dating did I date him I think he dated him. 
Like it oh, wasn't. God. It wasn't like it wasn't once. It wasn't like we saw each other once or anything. He had his like, toothbrush there, Sarah. He had his toothbrush at your house. <laughs> like I think you were dating if he loses toothbrush at your house. Yeah, and a phone charger. <laughs> and a phone charger. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, that was a whole weird experience. Mm. Um. <laughs> I see. When you're in Germany, you date a Russian guy, a Swedish guy. Uh, there was, yeah, there was a Russian guy, Swedish guy, a few Germans. Oh! Um, there was that older guy from Ireland. Why don't I, I remember like, that? Why don't... Yeah, it was not memorable. I don't think I talked about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was like 30, and it was not... Mm. I yeah, right about. we've got some um, listeners who are like in their in their forties and fifties and and even above. And for you to say there's an older guy, he was like thirty. They're gonna be rolling in their chairs well, like I was, ah. <laughs> I mean, I was like twenty two at the time. Yeah, so yeah, no, I mean, that's they, fair know, enough. Quite a bit older, and I think like the big thing for me was like the reason it was so eh, was like we genuinely had like a generation gap. We had really? nothing to talk about. Yeah, I remember him telling, oh, I remember the one thing I was so mad about. He told me he didn't like the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm. And I was like, I can understand if you haven't seen it. Yeah. But if you've seen it and you don't like it, what's wrong with you? <laughs> no, I've had, Um, I don't know if you have this, like either of you, because you've equally done your fair bit of traveling and stuff. I don't know if you've like met someone on Tinder or whatever, and that you're in this foreign place and you think they're like the best thing in the world. Like they're the dog's bollocks. So it's like beautiful, uh-huh. whimsical, magical human being who you just want to be with forever. Um, uh-huh. So I've had that experience. Um, and then my friends met this person and then they were like, he's a like weird hippie four year old twat. Like, <laughs> Why, why, why are you so obsessed with him? And I was like, oh, like you've totally ruined this like magical glaze. You, well. you know who I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, no. but yeah, you've you've ruined like this magical ethereal image I had of this person forever, mm-hmm. and now I can't look at them the same again because I think they're a smelly hippie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely have been a few of those it's like at the time they were everything to you Mm -hmm. and then very quickly they were absolutely like nothing yeah i think that's the magic of like being in a new place and experiencing someone new and like it's magical and vic i know you've been through a situation like that as well you told me about that too um you probably if you don't i think i told you about that i don't know if sarah's uh person that story but to be fair it was like the wildest time of my 2019 well that's another let's not go there but no that's not the one <laughs> i swear to god that entire trip that you guys took to japan i swear i told every single person that was going that it was a bad idea and i just don't understand why people don't listen to me so we were talking about magical ethereal people. Oh yeah, and Vic, you were about to tell your story. Oh, should I? Do you want to hear it, Sarah? Uh, if you want to tell it. Mm. I, I mean, if you don't want it to be shared, then... No, I'm happy with it being shared. Uh, it was... I, it was this... Uh, it's a, I think I might have lightly touched on it 
before uh, before we even started in regards to the language barriers, but this is the same check I was talking about. Um, so yeah, I was just, I just landed in Vienna, you know, fucking wild night. Flight was delayed by two hours. I go into some bus to try and get to my, uh, to get to where I'm staying. And this random Viennese guy sees me like looking all confused at the fucking map. And he's like, need any fucking help over there? And I'm like, and then I was like, yeah, dude, I'm trying to get from here and here. And then he's like, oh, dude, you sound different. Where are you from? I'm from Norway. And he's like, oh, Norway, dude, everything must be so expensive there. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it fucking sucks. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to this students club later on. And then I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, let's fucking go. So we get to the club. Meet almost immediately, like everyone is wearing lederhosen for some reason. <laughs> and uh, this student's bar, so everything was cheap and weird in there anyway. Quite literally, for, the first thing that happens to me as soon as I get in, like someone just hands me like a drink, like that a bartender just made. I try to like get some more drinks. How's this like vodka cola only like two euros? How's this beer only like two euros? And uh, because you know, coming from here. I literally spent like 15 quid on a beer the other day at a bar. Disgusting. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I go mental if I have to spend over a fiver. So yeah, no way. So I got left alone. I was just in the bar and I was just getting shit-faced because two euro drinks. Who's not to fucking hate on that? So I was just fucking glugging away like no, didn't care about anything else. Then this chick sits next to me. Then I start talking about this beer. I was like, it's fucking shit beer, but it's two years. I was conveying that to her in German, uh, horrible German. And then she just stares at me like I'm an alien. I'm like, sorry, are you are you German? Are you from Vienna? Are you Austrian? And she's like, no, I'm from Georgia. I was, then I was like pointing at the beer. This beer, really bad, don't. So I was like trying to say it in like really broken English. And she's like, no, Georgia, the state. I was like, America? Could you not and hear like, though? Yeah. Could you not hear on her voice that she was American? It was, it was a, oh, it was okay, so yeah, loud. fair enough. And there was a club, like, on the wall right right next to us. Got it. I was just shouting the whole entire night. We started talking about Cracker Barrel and what people cracker in the barrel. South do. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's, that's, and that's all I'd hear about from her. Because all of a sudden, every single thing she has to say about Cracker Barrel sort of sounded the same to me. And there's they have a gift shop. Oh my god, yes! Okay. No, they have a little game <laughs> on the table. They have a, it's like a golf tee game where you have to like it. Uh, yeah, I it know is. This. Yes. Yeah, the golf tee, and then you the just it's in a triangle, and then you gotta like. Yes. You have to get she like. Explained it to me like a hundred times. I was like ready to fucking head back to the place I was staying at because I was so fucking hungover and I was so tired still because I remember like going to getting out of the bar at like three in the morning and it was like six and then she finds me again and she just asks me i'm going to bratislava later do you want to come with me and i'm like <laughs> oh what time are you going and then and then she's like no i'm going now and i'm like she it took me like a solid minute to sort of like compose myself and figure out i just met you a couple hours ago I hope it was more uh, than a couple of hours. Do I want to go to another movie right now? <laughs> she just asked me if I want to go to Bratislava. And yeah, like, sure, no problem. And uh, yeah, we went to Bratislava then. Yeah, we we were like, I've got no idea what the fuck is in Bratislava. And she's like, I don't know what the fuck is in Bratislava either. So we got this one of these maps that has like a list of like all of these iconic places to see in Bratislava. We just said, you know what, let's just go to all of them. We saw all of them in like a, in two hours. Had lots of fun, got drunk. Yeah. We went back to Vienna that night, got drunk in Vienna, 
bar hopping, different places. Didn't Going she ask you to pre- to marry her or something? That was kind of what I was getting at with the whole like foreign foreign yeah. love Tinder thing. Uh, that was like after this night drunken night out. She asked me to go to Budapest with her, mm-hmm. and I'm like, God damn this woman! And so I was like, I've got places to be, and I've got a flight to catch literally the very next day. And I was like, Yes, okay, fine. And at this point, she got me like super drunk already. And then the next day happens, whatever. I find her in the train station. We head down to Budapest. We party like all week. We go to boat parties, bus parties. We go like bar hopping. We met so many incredible people. We had no plan. And we all we did was just walk throughout this beautiful city every day. And then we just found excursions and shit to do every single day we were there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And going into what you were just saying, so we were at the boat party, and then unlimited booze, the DJs, it was literally like a club on a boat. And uh, she hands me a ring, and then uh, she says, Victor, propose to me. Yeah, because literally, I told her, if she said no, I was going to toss the ring into the ocean. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Blackmail. Jesus. It was, like, it was like a grandma's ring or something. Yeah. No big deal. No, that's just carrying that around with her backpacking to Europe. <laughs> she was looking. <laughs> she yeah, was looking. she wanted a husband. <laughs> she was looking for an anchor baby. Yeah, she was. She wants that EU passport. Um, but anyway, that's uh twenty five yeah. minutes later. That's kind of the the point I was getting at with the finding foreign love and everyone. I don't know. I think everyone who has exposed herself to that kind of travel has gone through it, right? Where you just meet like a really dreamy, crazy person and you had your Georgian woman. <laughs> uh, oh I've had my um, middle-aged hippies and uh, <laughs> Sarah has had her share of Russian men who leave toothbrushes in her house. <laughs> <laughs> now, getting back on track, how do you find German and Korean people compared to Americans in social situations? Um, social situations. Well, <laughs> Germans in social situations, its own bucket of worms. <laughs> <laughs> I can only, I mean, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, it's just like the social norms just aren't the same, you know, like you can say certain things. So like, I'm an American. I, I'm very much thoroughly like, I will talk to anybody at any time. I make friends with people like in public all the time. And I think it was something that like, made some Germans uncomfortable, but some of them were really, like, receptive to it because they weren't used to it. And I think yeah. it's something that, like, I I just wish existed had existed more because I think I would have not been, like I said, like, I didn't have a lot of friends at first living there. And I had to force people to be my friend very much. So um, with Korean people, I think it's a little bit different. Koreans, I, I find that Koreans are a little bit more social than Germans. The only barrier being that they're afraid sometimes of, like, a lot of Koreans, I find, think that they can't speak English, <laughs> even though they can. They're just nervous. Yeah, like, a lot. they're just like, oh, I can't speak English. And then they'll say, like, a full, like, paragraph to me in English about why they can't speak English. And I'm like, but you just did. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. Anyway, so... Uh, just uh, back on the whole entire topic of moving, traveling, and living abroad as well. If you could just uh, tell us, what are some tips you'd give to people who are looking to move abroad? So I think number one is make sure that you can. Like not in terms of like 
like fiscal ability or mm-hmm. you know whatever a lot of people just aren't cut out for it and i think a lot of people make the mistake of not knowing that they're not cut out for it until they're already there that's like, a good point actually i, that's I agree really with that point. fully yeah I've people who <laughs> yeah like get into they've already done all the work done all the paper get there signed into a contract and then find that they're just not cut out to living, you know, so far away from their family or in another culture or, you know, without the, like the comforts of their, um, you know, their home. So like, that's number one for me is like, I think you should like do your research. Yeah. Maybe even like take a month long trip there or something beforehand. Yeah. If you have, you know, if you have the ability, you know, get familiar with what's gonna, what, what it's going to entail to be there. That's like number one. I don't know. I think it'd be such a shame and I've seen it happen here. I'm seeing it happen here with um, somebody that they got here and it just wasn't what they expected. They weren't cut out for it and now they're leaving contracts. Yeah, um, that's tough. And yeah, and it's frustrating for them. It's frustrating for the people around them who are now having to pick up the slack. Me yeah. having to pick up somebody's shift today. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sarah, so. in your experience, do you feel like you're cut out to the whole entire relocation stuff? Um, so that's mm-hmm. a big thing. I actually had this conversation with somebody here who, um, somebody who just moved here also, and hadn't lived abroad before, and they were asking me like how I deal with like homesickness, and I was like, I've never experienced it. Like, I don't I, know if I, you have. I don't know if that's true because I think you've no, definitely no, no. missed well, your home well, comfort. Let me, let me clarify. Yeah, okay. let me clarify. Let me clarify. Yes, I've missed things. I miss like my family. I've missed like foods, and I've had I've had like sad moments. I've never been like felt like I needed to go home, or felt like I was just like completely out of place. I've never had an ex- like. There's something like um they say that happens to people a few months into living in a new place. It's like like they right. say that like an aspect of culture shock is you go into this phase where like you're just completely like out of your comfort zone completely uncomfortable and i've just never really had that i've had instances where like oh i don't like this aspect of living here or like i miss this aspect of my home but i've never thought like oh i really like have to go home I, yeah i am so uncomfortable here and that was something that like i was speaking to these people who just moved here as well and they were like miserable they told me like they 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 were just so unhappy like and the funny thing is like they have a job that's easier than mine um so it wasn't even the job yeah. that was like making them stress out or anything because I, I, mean, I work a pretty stressful job as it is but that can work but... like against your favor as well because if you're not dedicating your time and your energy to something and you're just sort of on your own with your own thoughts and feeling lonely yeah like, that's that that's could be true. even worse but then again like you know like what my schedule was like in germany I literally didn't like <laughs> I had so much free time. I had so much time on my hands in Germany and I still didn't really feel it there. Like again, yeah, I missed things. There were things that I wanted from home, but I never felt like super homesick or anything, I don't think. Yeah. Got you. So I think I'm definitely like cut out to live. I I don't know. But then again, like it's always kind of like I always knew that I wasn't going to stay in America. Yeah. Yeah. Like even now, like I have no intention, like yeah, I'll go back and visit families there and stuff, but I have no intention of moving back for any long periods of time. 
No, that's fair like, enough. At most, if I decide to go to grad school there, like maybe a year or two. But, yeah, yeah, I did mention you saying you wanted to do that. Um, but were there any other tips that you think you could offer people? Yeah, um, so like obviously... Okay, so this is another big thing. And like, I think it should... You would think it would be obvious. You would think this would be an obvious thing. And people probably think that they know. Do not move to a foreign country if you are not able to support yourself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's often the simple like, reminders that we really need. <laughs> it's really, really important. If you're not going to have the money, if you either like are not going to be making the money or like don't have the support at home to get you through, just don't do it because like it's going to be it's going to make you miserable. It's going to make people around you miserable. And it's going to be really and, tough. And, yeah, no, what I was saying was, yeah, if you can't do it, like, it's going to make you, uh, it's not, it's going to make you super stressed and you're going to hate your experience. And I hate to say it because, like, I think everybody should have the opportunity to, you know, do what they want, to be able to travel, to be able to live abroad. But you don't want to get yourself into, a, like, a bad situation in a foreign country where you don't have the means to reach out you don't have a way to cover your ass like it's just such it's stressful yeah definitely and i've I've been on the precipice of that (laughs) i I remember like when we were in prague and so just a really really quick one because we've gone on so many different tangents here but sarah and i were in (laughs) prague and you know you had some issues with your contract where you weren't earning as much money as you thought you were going to um annoying um and then i took a trip over and um we were it was we were trying to make it work on a budget and it was all going well um but then unfortunately sarah got scammed out of how much was it it was about like 80 euros not in in check in check ground so like i don't remember how much that equates to but it was a lot yeah for me at the time like 80 euros for me was a lot yeah um, yeah because that's like f- like for me that would be like three weeks worth of shopping you know like um but at, yeah 80, i mean yeah i could i could live on like i could live on like 15 like, I, I could live on like 25 pounds a week easy but anyway um so so yeah, she like lost this bunch of money um, and because we were like trying to do it on a budget and everything anyway and because money was tight and everything, like it just felt so shit. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, luckily I did call, like I called my dad and like I have a very supportive family back home. Um, yeah, so that's the one thing. Like if you have the family support, I mean, like, I don't like to rely on my family, but, like, I know that if, like, shit hit the fan, I could call them and they'd help me out. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Definitely. Yeah. That's good to have. And another question for you, Sarah. Um, what three things could you not travel without anywhere in the world you go? What are Ooh, three things you're okay. definitely taking? Three things I have to have. Yeah. Um, it's like the desert island question, but travel version. Okay. <laughs> Oh, that's so hard. Um, oh, number one. Um, this is going to sound so stupid, but and I think uh, Courtney can probably guess exactly what it is. And it's freaking 
Burt's Bees lip balm. Vanilla bean lip balm, yeah. I literally don't leave the house without it. I need it. It's an addiction at this point. I have to have it. Um, luckily, they sell it in Korea. Oh, they fantastic. Have yeah, that's and so I was good. like, I brought a bunch, I brought like five with me, and I found it like one of the first days I was out of quarantine. I was like, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's number one. Um, number two is probably a pair of sunglasses. Always. It's <laughs> you. You love a sun- I, pair of sunglasses. I do. I always have a pair of sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. And um probably just my phone. Oh yeah. Absolute must. Like my phone. Your phone is everything. Like I could if if shit, you know, if if worse came to worse, I could always pay for stuff with my phone. I can transfer money, I can get a hold of people like mm-hmm. obviously my phone. Yeah. Which, you know, um hopefully buying a new one soon. So, oh, eh. <laughs> upgrade. <laughs> no, I I feel the same way. Like most of the time my plane tickets are on my phone and all my money's yeah, on my phone. Like everything. My life is on my phone. Yeah, like if I got if I lost my phone and like I it say it was just like a short flight like somewhere else in Europe, I wouldn't print off tickets like why would i i can just do everything on my phone if i lost it i'd be oh, like I what the hell do i do even traveling even traveling like across the world i don't print out tickets anymore <laughs> we're in no, a virtual okay. age <laughs> <laughs> like, why would i that's true i'm surprised the two of you uh neither you know in your top three things none of you have said your passport Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I didn't think of that. Actually, oh, no, do you know don't. what? Um, s- sorry, last year, you just reminded me of something. Um, I didn't check in online on online on time. So I had to like run to the desk to get the physical tickets and then run up to check in. Mm. Yeah. Well, last time that happened to me, they didn't, they didn't even let me get my tickets. Like, I've missed the online check-in time. And then they're like, oh, yeah, Manny, we're not letting well, you into I had, this fight. Um, when I was coming here, I wasn't allowed to check in online. Oh. Because to board my flight, I had to submit a COVID test. Ooh, oh, that was the same for me. That was the same yeah, for me. So I, yeah, so I, ha- I wasn't allowed to check in online because I had to wait until I literally um, got to, like, the desk where I checked in my bags and give mm-hmm. them the COVID test then. And they had to have, they also had to see my visa that I was allowed to be entering the country because mm. everything is so like lockdown, lockdown right now. So Sarah, we know that you've picked up a side project in your stay in South Korea called the Sarah <laughs> Scoop. Now, yeah. this is where you, where we've seen you rate Korean ice cream and other ice treats. What inspired you to do this and what do you enjoy about it? Um, honestly, like, I was just kind of intrigued when I walked into, like, like, there's a 7-Eleven around the corner from my apartment, and they just have, like, a massive array of, like, ice cream, like, pre- like prepackaged ice creams and stuff, and I was like, yeah. these are all so, like, different from what I'm used to, I want to try all of them, um... And then I was kind of talking to Courtney about it. She's like, oh, you should, like, start a page. And I was like, really? Should I? Um, she helped me with, like, setting it all up and stuff. And, um, yeah, I've been really enjoying. I've only done a few posts so far. Um, I actually had another post planned, but I hated the ice cream. Was it bad? Was it Was it a one it scoop? Was, it was not was even a, a no one scooper? scoop. It no. was, and I was like, it doesn't. I was like, no, I can't post this because it's not even no scooper. I will tell you about it here if you like. It was, yeah. um, 
it was a popsicle um shaped like watermelon but it oh i saw that on your story yeah i put it on my story that i was walking home with it um you know what it tasted it didn't taste like watermelon it tasted (laughs) like you know like synthetic banana like what banana candy tastes like oh really yeah that's so weird it tasted like that and first of all i hate bananas like that's number one i hate bananas um but it was just so gross i was like i'm not even posting this because first of all it doesn't fit my system because my my system is like even the lowest is like it's still good yeah because it's ice cream (laughs) yeah because it's ice cream but like no i just i hated it it was not good (laughs) yeah so no i think it's such a fun thing for you to do though and for like you to share a little bit of what you're learning about in korea with your friends and family and stuff i think it's so nice and (laughs) if you follow truthfully human on instagram uh then you probably would have seen sarah's scoop being featured because we've shared a few of your posts and we always try to engage with it as well yeah yeah no we love it so much and Sarah we have come to Mm. the end of the interview now um it's been so much fun we've covered so much ground we've been speaking for ages and it's it's nice because it's been so different to our first interview with you but still just as fun that one was kind of intense (laughs) yeah this one's such a different vibe but again really really fun um now we've covered a lot of ground like I said but given everything we've spoken about what is the one overarching lesson you would like to give away to anyone who's listening today? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't really have like a necessary, uh, I hadn't really thought of anything um, going into this, but then I think like what I said in the beginning, honestly echoed throughout the entire like conversation we've had was that, you know, like the human experience is universal. Um, People are people. And that was something we've talked about over and over again in this, like, even when we were talking about like differences is, you know, there are yeah. shit people, there are cool people, there are people suffering, there are people, you know, living their best lives in every culture and every, you know, corner of the world. So I think we have, I think as a whole, we have a lot more in common than we have um, different about each other, generally speaking. Yeah. And it's just a matter of like, communicating that that we have an issue with yeah um that's wonderful yeah. the human experience is universal i love it so much that's such a good one thank you so much for joining us a huge thank you to sarah walker for joining us this week and for sharing the lesson the human experience is universal If you enjoyed listening, please check out our first episode named It's Okay Not To Be Okay, where we explore women's safety and mental health with Sarah. A huge thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to the Truthfully Human podcast. In our next episode, we interview Lawrence Gordon from Renzu AJP on YouTube. We talk about his lifelong battle with cystic fibrosis and the light at the end of the tunnel.